So, Dr. Benjamin Hardy, I brought you here all this way, all this way, live on this Zoom video conferencing call. And there's one question, there's one question that's just been burning me inside that I need your answer to. What are you currently watching? Netflix or Amazon Prime? Um, Netflix. Oh, yeah. What's the show? How about what you? Is it? What is it? Actually, no, we've been watching VidAngel. Um, VidAngel? Yeah, it's like some <laughs> streaming service. I don't know. There's a, there's a documentary called The Chosen, which is really good. Um, it's kind of like a, like a fictional depiction of the people around Christ's time, which was really cool. I also actually just oh, watched okay, the okay. documentary all about Michael Jordan as well. The Last Dance. Yeah. That was pretty awesome. That, so that was ESPN. So I'm actually in Chicago and I haven't watched it yet. How bad is that? That's bad. <laughs> everybody you should probably keeps, watch it. Everybody keeps bringing it up and I, I'm like, I don't know. I have no excuse. I have no excuse. I've just been so busy lately, but no excuse. <laughs> everybody no excuse. though, it's going to be a fun episode and a very insightful episode. I'm thankful to have Dr. Benjamin Hardy on here with me today. Uh, check him out. Be sure to go to BenjaminHardy.com as well as his new book. That's sure to be all over the place. Be sure to take a look at Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, all the main uh, websites. It's called Personality Isn't Permanent. And as well as the extended title, Break Free from Self-Limiting Beliefs and Rewrite Your Story. Quite, quite the, the catcher right there. I mean, personality isn't permanent. What, what does that even mean? I don't know, man. Do you think you're the exact same guy you were 10 years ago? Oh, <laughs> I was going to be like, oh, hell no. Well, yeah, yeah, definitely not. <laughs> definitely not. <laughs> oh, I can't imagine. No. I mean, I no, people wouldn't <laughs> want to be around me. <laughs> well, that, that's what the book's about right there, is that you're not the same person you were, and also your future self is going to be a different person as well. This is the, this, so Daniel Gilbert, he's a Harvard psychologist. He actually gave a Ted talk called the psychology of your future self. Really good Ted talk. It's six minutes long. I recommend you <laughs> toss it to your readers, psychology of your future self. But basically he, he asks people the same question. I just asked you, do you think you're the same person you were 10 years ago? Almost everyone unanimously says no. But then he asks, you know, people, another question. He says, do you think you're going to be very different in the future? You know, and most people, they under, under expect changes in the future because what we do as people we've got this bias that we think yeah. that who we are today is who we're always going to be mm-hmm. <laughs> and so the, fr- the truth is your future self is going to be a different person and you'd make a lot better decisions here and now if you were clear on your who your future self was if you made that decision mm-hmm. about where you want to be in like two to three years from now and you started making decisions based on that obviously that would then lead you to having to be more courageous you know doing things that are more goal-oriented versus just being the person you were yesterday but uh a lot of good research on it, man. There's a lot of other research as well. But yeah, this is pretty much a book that debunks a lot of the ideas that your personality is innate, that it's non-flexible. Um, obviously, I bust the myths of the personality tests and stuff. And so it's just kind of wanted to provide a more helpful perspective for people. <laughs> yeah. And, and how, how accurate do you think we could be in predicting our future self? That's such a cool question. Yeah. Um, so Dr. Gilbert literally talks about this in that six mm-hmm. minute TED talk. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he, no, but I'll tell you, I'll tell you. He says that the reason he says that the reason people don't predict the future is not because mm-hmm. they can't, but because literally they don't. So here's a question for you. Um, Cause he said it's a lot easier to just remember the past than actually to imagine the future. But okay. I guess a question for you, like when you started this podcast, 
how far off is your current, like how long did you start the podcast? I know you've done like over 180 episodes or something, but like three, it's going to be about exactly three years. Okay. So three years ago, if you would have predicted where you'd be in three years from then talking about today, how off would your prediction have been? Um, uh, I guess I kind of thought I'd be even bigger, like a, even a bigger show possibly though the people I've met and the, the real progress I've made, like, to be honest, I thought maybe I'd fall off the wagon at some point and I haven't. And the progress I've made and all the guests I've had and getting ranked, you know, up to number 20 on entrepreneurship. No, I, I don't think I could have predicted that. That, that was amazing. So it's, it's weird. It's like different from what it was. Did you, would, be, would you say you actually set, did you set any specific targets, like super specific targets? Like I want to be top 20. Did you ever think that way when you were first starting out? Or I was thinking, I was thinking like top 1000 at that point. And, and so getting, then you bust, so you busted all of your goals. I busted that goal and then pretty in line with keeping a daily uh, routine, two episodes a week, no matter what. Dude, we had like amazing. a couple, a couple weeks we messed up on it. I was like on vacation or something. But uh, besides that, uh, pretty much kept on it for the most part, I would say. Didn't, didn't go with like a funnel or anything like that. That was the one thing we were always going to try to do some kind of sales process, but just kind of stayed away from that. Um, just wasn't our thing and maybe that will change in the future. We'll see. That's cool, man. Yeah. I think, so yeah. So you actually, we all make predictions about the future, you know what I mean? But the idea of actually clearly strategizing a future self and defining it out, getting very specific because the brain loves specifics, motivation likes specifics, <laughs> you know. Um, and so, yeah, I think, you know, and also there's this idea like the goal determines the process, right? Like um, the more specific the goal, the more specific the process. And uh, have you ever heard of uh, the deliberate practice by chance? Uh, I've, I've heard of the, the term. The term? I, I can't. So have you heard of Malcolm Gladwell? Yes. So he, he wrote a book called Outliers and he talked about the 10,000 hour rule mm-hmm. where it's like, if you do something for 10,000 hours, you can be amazing at it. Um, that's actually not true because <laughs> a lot of people do things for 10,000 hours and they actually don't become that good at it. You know, you talk about this in one of your writings, right? When you wake up yeah, yeah, every single exactly. day for <clears throat> at 5 a.m., right? Something like that. Yeah. But like the idea of deliberate practice, the only reason I bring it up is because deliberate practice is what psychologists study as far as how to develop skills and expertise. And in order to engage in, in that type of practice or that type of process where you're actually learning something very specific, you have to have a very clear future self. Um, because, you know, it's kind of like an airplane. Like if an airplane leaves LA and it's going like to New York, right? <laughs> but if the coordinates take it to Chicago, because, you know, like, then it's not going to get where we want to go. So you have to actually have the destination to, to, to chart the path. The path is the process. And so the more specific the, the destination, the more clear can be the path to getting there. And so that path is what we call deliberate practice. It's essentially just learning and changing. Um, but you can't actually go through that in a meaningful way unless you're really clear on who you want to be in the future. And how do you practice right now with, with people that, for example, ask you, how do I what do I jot down next? What do I do next? What's, what's like your go-tos, your top three tips, I guess, of getting there? Oh, geez. Uh, I don't know if I have top three tips, but what I, <laughs> I like that. I know. I like that. I mean, what I would, there's a few, there's a different few angles. You know what I mean? I definitely say start two to three years into the future. So who do you want to be in two to three years from now? Mm-hmm. Um, 
Einstein said imagination is more important than knowledge. So like, where would you truly like to be, you know, if things went really well, um, not just with your podcast, but like in the other areas of your life as well. Like who's the future version of you? What does that look like? What is your income? What are your circumstances? Who, who are you in a relationship with? What's your daily life look like? What is, what are you really focused on? What, what, what matters to you? Um, and then once you've kind of defined that, yeah, which it's a choice we all make, like that's up to us. The next step would be the courageous one, which would be to start telling people that that's who you genuinely want to be and not to pretend like you're that person now, mm-hmm. but you know, mm-hmm. cause you're supposed to actually view your future self as a different person and you're supposed to view your current self a lot more loosely because your current self is loose. Like in two years, in, in literally in a week from now, I'm going to probably be slightly different than I am today, especially if I'm like pursuing goals. Like, <laughs> and so I shouldn't be so obsessed with yeah. who I am today. Um, so yeah, I would say the next step would be to literally say, this is where I really want to go. Mm-hmm. I'm not there yet, but this is, you know, and start telling people about that so that you can actually start to get relationships that would support that so that people know what you're going for. So you can stop pretending <laughs> like you're the person you are today. Uh, yeah. And then I would start investing money into it, start investing money into your goals, right? Whether it be going to conferences, mentorships, relationships, you know, employees, whatever it is, education. It, when, when you begin investing money into your future identity, you become very committed to it. Mm-hmm. So by telling people about it, you start to believe it more by investing in it. You start to get more committed. And then obviously when you start acting in that direction, your identity is shaped in many ways by your behaviors. And so you'll start to see yourself as that person over time. And then your identity becomes your personality. So your identity is how you describe yourself, but over time that becomes your personality. And, you know, I, I didn't mention earlier, but it's a good time to bring it up now. You have a PhD in organizational psychology. And I think this would be a great question to ask you right here, right now. When is a good time, though, to call it quits? When mm-hmm. you put in the two, three years and you realized, huh, maybe it's not what I thought it was going to be. Maybe this business is not going to work out. Yeah, I think that um, that is a very personal decision. I, I think that there's no shame in quitting. Although, if you're a persistent quitter, then you're not going to build confidence, right? Because <laughs> confidence can't be built through quitting, but you, but sometimes it's really clear that this isn't the right thing. So I I think that that's like an intuitive decision that you've got to make, but I would say I would question the reasons, you know, like if it's just because this isn't working, maybe that's just because you haven't tried all the angles. Maybe you're, you keep trying the same thing that's not working. (laughs) Um, But usually when someone fails, you know, they start to tell themselves stories and their confidence gets shot. And so, so then they start to come up with reasons why it won't work in the future, which is not actually true. It's just that right now you're a little low because you just failed. And when you fail, it can be easy to develop a fixed mindset. That's essentially what trauma is, is something went wrong and then you got defined by an experience. So I think that um, if you believe genuinely that there's something better that you would actually truly want, then go ahead and quit. But if you don't know what it is, you just, you just have failed a few times, mm-hmm. then it's no reason to quit. You just need to, you need to find a better way. Yeah. I mean, you were there for a reason, right? You, you wanted this. Yeah. It just hasn't worked out yet. Yeah. I mean, if there's clearly something better that you're like, you know what? I actually really do want this. This was a stepping stone. This showed me that I don't want it. And I can definitely point to that and say that that's what I do want. Now I'm going to really give it my all. Go for it. If you don't have that, you're just like, I've tried everything. It doesn't work. Okay. You haven't tried everything. Mm-hmm. There's always something. 
did you did, did this book have a lot to do with you kind of what you went through how all of a sudden one day you have no kids trying to have kids maybe i'm hopeful and then next thing you know you have five <laughs> um did that have something to do with not being able to predict uh, the future, the changes, or how you're going to be reacting to things. You want to tell us a little bit more about that story? Sure. Yeah. And, and that story, actually, although that definitely has changed me in many ways, yeah. that was not a motivation for writing this book. But without okay. question, the Benjamin Hardy talking to you right now <laughs> is very different from the guy who had zero kids four or five years ago, yeah. right? <laughs> and now I have five with literally a sixth on the way. <laughs> And so, yeah, that, that will change, that will change you. That will change your views. That will change your priorities. That will change your perspectives. That'll change your habits. (laughs) Um, yeah. So basically my wife and I, when I was in the first year of my PhD program, I got my PhD at Clemson, um, Clemson, most people know from their football school, football program, but uh, you football guy, I mean, I see the baseball hat. Yeah. Uh, definitely, definitely a sports guy. Um, not as big into college sports, but yeah, it's, it's a tough time right now. Right. Yeah. I I like college football and I like the NBA. That's kind of what I go for. What about you? You like baseball, it seems like? Yeah, I'm ba- huge on baseball and uh, football. I, NFL? I, yeah, those are my two things. You like the you Bears or something? You the, Chicago white, guy? the White Sox hat, yeah. Uh, this Well, you can't probably tell from the front, but it's a White Sox hat. And I got in Chicago, you got to rep one. You got to rep the White Sox or the Cubs, even if you know nothing about baseball, which then you're probably wearing a Cubs hat. Dude, that's awesome. <laughs> um so anyways, yeah, when my wife grew up with foster girls in her home, and so she kind of always had that interest, that ambition. Oh, I never okay. really had that. But when we got out to Clemson for graduate school, we just felt like it was the time. So we applied. We got three, three kids who were all siblings in 2015. And then we spent the next three years fighting the foster system in court and were able to adopt our kids. And then basically a month after the adoption, my wife got pregnant with twins. So you know, we went from zero That's to five in 2018. 2018 was a crazy year. 2019 was a recovery year. <laughs> 2020, <laughs> we're, 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 we're a little bit more adjusted, but last year was, mm-hmm. last year was crazy. How did your, how did your routine change? Like I have a, you know, a lot of close friends. I know a lot of listeners are, are first time, first time kids, uh, kid parents, I guess you can say, right? First time parents. Uh, how did your routine change go into that extreme? Like what, what, what words of advice do you have for them to stay sane during these periods? Um, I mean, I still was going to school. So like that didn't change much and my wife wasn't working. So she, she like, we, we both decided that it would be better for both, like for both of us, me, especially if like I just left in the morning and did my writing and stuff and went to school and then just tried to come home as early as possible to like help the kids after school, play with them, do dinner and stuff. So my routine didn't change that much in the morning and in the afternoon, but my evening routine fundamentally changed because rather than going home and like, you know, writing or doing school work or like watching YouTube videos or going running and stuff like after school, just like play with the kids, you know, like help the kids with school. So like, that's what changed big for me, for my wife. I'm sure everything changed because, you know, before the kids, she had all the time in the world while I was gone at school and stuff. She would just like, do crafts or do creative stuff or sit on Facebook. And like, now it's like all her time is just, you know, but uh, that's what she wanted. That's what I wanted. So we, with a relationship, you've got to really set up how, how you got to make it work for the two of you. Like I, I really enjoy my mornings. And so like, she supports me on that, you know, just like I support her with doing the foster care thing. Cause that wasn't necessarily my goal, but you know, we, we support each other. We're flexible to each other because we're both committed to the same, you know, purpose essentially. And so she's like, go ahead, rock it out, go to your mornings, just 
you know, and then I'm like, well, I'll be back to pick up the kids. So usually when it's not quarantine, I'll pick up the kids from school and yeah. do our thing, you know? So you kind of just set it up in the ideal way for you. And I know you're pretty big on the mornings. Do you want to, you mind sharing with us what you do every morning that gets you kind of going and got you all the way to where you're at right now? Yeah. Mornings I think are, you know, obviously they're not for everyone, but I think for me, they've been huge. I mean, I, I journal in the mornings. I write in the mornings. I exercise in the mornings. I learn in the mornings for me. I've just, I've had so many experiences like let's just say before 8am where I've just like totally on fire. And then the rest of my day goes well, where to me, it just makes so much sense. Like, why wouldn't I do this every freaking day? Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, you know, I was like, yep. when most people are pulling themselves out, like, it's like, I've been awake. I've like listened to half a book. I've journaled about my goals and about my life and, and, uh, exercised, you know, and I just feel productive. And so well, I don't think that I have like a set specific thing. Cause my routine's always changing, you know, like right now I'm in the midst of doing all sorts of things, but always there's going to be some form of journaling, you know, yep. to me that just clears the mental fog. It also just orients you towards your future self, just writing about your goals, writing about what's going on in your life. It really, it literally just clears your emotions. For like, how long do you usually segment somebody's 10, 10, 15 minutes, okay. 10, 15 minutes of journaling. And I usually do it in my car, like just sitting, just parked somewhere, usually parked outside my office here, just quiet environment, you know, uh, definitely don't look at my email or stuff like that before I do journaling, before I try to do some form mm -hmm. of creative work. Uh, I'll usually open up the email and stuff after all that stuff, but I don't want to like fill my brain with nonsense essentially before I've done something useful with my brain. And so I just try to, I try to journal, think about my goals, try to get myself in the right state. I listen to some good, you know, whether it be spiritual information or just books that are interesting just, yeah. and then exercise, you know, and just, just for getting my brain going, get my body going. I, I used to exercise for different reasons. Now, literally, I mostly just do it like for brain health and for body health. Like I just want my body and my brain to function. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, just get myself into the right state of mind and right physical frame so that I can just have a great day and feel good. And you try to get all this done before you physically open any email or text message. Yeah. Ideally. Sure. I mean, just leave the phone on airplane mode. You know what I mean? Like all night. Oh yeah. You Put do? your phone on airplane mode before you go to bed for sure. Yeah. I mean, and if you could do it a couple hours before bed, all the better to just kind of not be so dinged up, you know, like we're, we're very used to our attention being pulled in different directions that I think it's good to actually to not have to have several hours of the day where that's not actually happening, where you don't have notifications hitting and you, you're not actually pulled by just some beep. Like that's, it's really nice to not, to not have your attention clipped like multiple times a day. Why is that? Dude. I just think it's, it stops you from like being present. You know what I mean? It, it becomes a weird distraction. Like it, it be, I think it's bad for your attention. Like, so I hear a lot of mixed, you know, emotions, mixed thoughts about this, you know, technology is going to be our savior. And then others are saying, you know, I, I got, I'm bringing back the flip phone. Like where do you stand with this? Like, what do you, wish uh, I definitely don't think technology is going to be the savior. I think technology is powerful and that it's got purposes and that we're using it, for example, in this conversation to do some cool things. So I definitely am not averse to technology. I mm -hmm. think it has very powerful uses. I think that it also can be distracting and can be destructive. I definitely don't believe like, you know, like the Peter Diamandis, like singularity, like we're, you know, like we're going to become cyborgs. Like, yeah, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't, I don't believe in that. Um, but, and I'm not going to go back to a flip phone. Mm -hmm. So, 
I'm, I try to control it for my own mental well-being and for my own flow and focus for my own creativity, but also for my own relationship with my kids. So, uh, you know, you're, you're writing, you, you mentioned it as it's, you know, just a casual thing. It's been read by over 100 million people. Um, on, and medium has medium.com has been your main platform, right? And, but you also published on Forbes, uh, fortune, CNBC, is the best writing done always with, with the phone totally often? Is that what you're saying? Uh, not always, but I mean, for me, like I can go back, I can read some of my articles and I can actually tell by the writing mm-hmm. if I was in a flow state or not. Like I can, when I'm reading my stuff, I'm like, okay, half that article, I was pretty distracted, but like this chunk of the article, I was totally in flow. Like I can tell when I'm reading it. Um, and you know, just cause that it just feels a lot smoother. It just feels a lot cleaner. Um, and so a lot of my great writing has happened without the phone next to me. Do I, you know, when I'm writing bigger projects, like writing books, yeah, I'll, I'll get pinged here or there because it's like, you're, you're in Inevitable, it for like right? hours at a time, yeah. you know, when you're in it for weeks and months at a time. Um, but yeah, I think, I think I do best personally when I can have like 60 to 90 minutes without distraction, you know, <laughs> like 60 to 90 minutes without distraction is rare these days. But if you can get yourself into the right flow state and mm-hmm. have 60 to 90 minutes to create something, you will have probably something a little cleaner than if you didn't. And if you, you know, and I'm, I'm big on like just push publish better prolific than perfect. Yeah. You know? And so it's like, uh, I'll put out imperfect stuff, you know, and I love deadlines, you know, it's just like, just throw it out there, you know? And I've been always surprised that a lot of the things that I didn't think were any good bang, you know, millions of views. I'm like, you just can't predict it. And so you just got to keep throwing it out there. Yeah. What do you think sets you apart? Like there are a lot of writers out there, um, but you've really taken it to a whole another level. Um, what have you I mean, done? There's a lot. There's, there's definitely, you know, plenty of writers out there that are way above yeah. my level too. But, um, I mean, I'm definitely interested in my craft, you know, very, I'm like always a student, you know, like definitely I'm a believer that it's two things. It's really a few things. One is like the actual knowledge that you're providing or like the actual content, but there's a lot of people with great content that they don't structure it well. Right. Like, so one aspect of it is like literally like the positioning of it, the headline, the structuring, like you have to actually learn how to actually do it in a way that people can consume it in a really easy way. And like the, a lot of the academics out there, they're not willing to make that transition. Like they're not willing to like make it digestible, you know? Um, and so you, I think you've got to get good at communication. So you got to like know your material really well, but then you've got to know how to communicate it. Um, and then I think the other one is just emotion. Like a lot of my stuff, even I'm writing about kind of heady stuff as far as like psychology, I write it off from a very emotional perspective and I'm, and I'm fine throwing in my own opinions and stuff like that. But you know, emotional writing is good writing, but also if it doesn't feel like it's overly biased um, and then just really good structure, good marketing, I, you know, genuinely I want to get my writing out there. You know, like I'm not afraid to admit, I want my articles to be read by millions of people. So I'll learn how to create headlines that get read by, yeah. you know, millions of people. Like I think if you admit that you want that and if you're willing to learn that and then do your best to create good stuff, you can do it. There's a good quote actually from yeah. Paul Arden. Have you ever heard of Paul Arden? Uh, I'm going to say no. He wrote a book called, it's not how good you are. It's how good you want to be. Mm-hmm. 
which actually that, that fits perfectly. Heard. It fits with perfectly with personalities and permanent because mm-hmm. you really shouldn't care how good you are right now. It's really how good your future self is. But um, one of the things he said is, is he said, you know, no one, he said basically all of the rich and famous people in the world did not become rich and famous by, uh, by becoming, by being more talented or, uh, you know, he said that they became rich and famous by wanting to be rich and famous. <laughs> I'm not that's, sure if that's, that's I'm one not way sure to look at it, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure if that's like completely true, but it's kind of true that like, if you want, you know, like, like I want my work to be viewed by millions. Mm-hmm. Of people. I'm not saying I want to be rich and famous. What I'm just saying though, is it's like, I want my work to be successful. So I'm going to figure out how to do that. That's why, again, the goal shapes the process. It's not, there's a lot of writers out there who are just like, I'm sticking to my process. Um, and they don't get that. They don't get better. And they don't, they're not, their writing is not translating into a goal. It's not mm-hmm. turning into something. Um, and so for me, when I first started, I wanted to become a professional. I'm like, I want to get a book deal at New York. I want to become a professional so I can provide for my kids. And so like, I learned whatever it took to get there. I wouldn't have even blogged if it wasn't for that goal. I didn't want to be a blogger. I wanted to just write books, but my goal required me to get good at blogging. And do you think, uh, is it just a trait that we all are born with that we all, we say we don't want, you know, the popularity, the things, you know, to get read by millions of people. It's definitely not a trait. It's a culture norm, you know, like it's, it's negatively viewed. And then, but we all secretly want it. Would you, would you say that? Would you think I would say that, that we all want no? something that we're not willing to admit? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I don't know if all of us want fame. Like a lot of people, they probably don't want that. I think probably most people want money, but even some people may have convinced themselves they don't want that. But yeah, we all want certain things, even if it's just to be accepted or to feel like we belong. And yeah, it takes courage and it takes vulnerability and honesty to say what you want. That's actually why, again, I recommended you should tell people about your goals. Because the less you restrain that and the less you just stop pretending that you don't want this thing and just actually own it and say, yeah, I want to be a professional writer. Yeah, I want my podcast to be viewed by tens of millions of people a year or whatever. Like, just say it because that's what you want anyways. And so then you can start to uh, have people around you actually know what you want and know what you're going for. And then you can start to build relationships with the right mentors and things like that where they're like, yeah, man, I've done that. So I'll show you exactly how to do it, you know? So kind of two part to that. Uh, nowadays, I think there's been a trend, I guess, based, based in my 30 years of existence, I feel like there's been a trend. Everyone's giving back a lot more though. A lot more people are coming together. A lot more people are always trying to give, give, give now before they eventually get something back. Do you think that is for real? And is that going to stay? Or is there a bad motive behind some of it? Are you talking about like the give, 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 and then ask? Yeah. I think that that's mostly in the digital world. Like, I feel yeah. like that's mostly digital content. That's, you know, and um, I don't think that's going to go away because that's kind of just, that's how you build relationships usually is you, you give something. I mean, so I don't think. But that's is there right, a man. genuine giving though? And then there's the, is this so genuine or, or is there secret? There is definitely. The no, end? there's definitely. There's genuine, there's genuine giving and then there's, fake giving. <laughs> and um, usually you will come to know over a short period of time, which camp that other person's in, you know, whether they're actually a giver, whether they're just genuinely a taker. Um, and I think that over time you can have the discernment to kind of get a kind of a, a feel pretty fast on who a person is and you should follow that gut quicker where you're like, uh, I don't know if I really want to be like this person. Yeah. Do you feel there's more of that going on? 
like oh, person. Yeah, we, oh yeah. I mean, we, mm-hmm. and then, you know, talk about online personas, right? But uh, yeah, we definitely live in a world where there's lots of people, especially with the internet, wanting to be famous, wanting to be gurus, you know, wanting to uh, present themselves a certain way and looking like they've got this great life and that they're these saints when mm-hmm. really they're totally, I wouldn't call them snake oil salesmen because I think a lot of these people actually genuinely from their perspective have good perspectives, but they're not fully presenting their motives. And I don't know if anyone really ever fully does. Are we in a bubble, you think, that this is all going to just pop and people are going to have to go back to regular jobs and this is all going to sooner or later come out? And Are you talking about like the COVID-19 thing? Or oh, well, no, just the like whole... Like the digital entre- content thing? Yeah, digital content and everybody being an entrepreneur, entrepreneur now. I think that this is, in many ways, the future. The norm? I think so, yeah. I don't, well, where would we go back to? You know, regular, uh, more corporate jobs as corporations are eating up other or other corporations and companies are getting bigger and it'll be know. interesting. It, I, I'm guessing there will be some fallout, you know, like where all these people are trying and many are succeeding and then waves will go back to more secure jobs. Whereas, but increasing numbers will find ways to succeed as solopreneurs or as, you know, uh, contractors or something like that. Um, you know, I'm not one of those. I mean, I've got like, five employees and stuff like that but like um yeah i think that more and more people will succeed this way and i think COVID actually pushes things that direction even further because you know i think you know i've heard people say that like commercial business or commercial real estate is going to struggle for a while right yeah you know a lot of people are like you know what we've been wanting to make this transition anyways so just let people work from home you know all my employees live in different states mm-hmm. i don't it's not like i need them in a workspace you think this is going to stay? You think there's going to be a lot more uh, teleworking and maybe off? Yeah, like less office. Don't you? Space what do you think? You? Yeah, I, I think so personally. I, th- but I then, think so. I'm with you. But there's a part of me that's like people are going to just if they're going to go crazy and they already are, and it's just like everything's going to go back to the norm super quick. Like I know Wisconsin right above me just opened up, and like this one hotel that I would go to normally is like fully sold out all is it really up. yeah like i was just curious so we were like taking a look at memorial weekend if they had any openings nothing like slammed, really so people are just out. stoked to get out right yeah it was crazy i, I wonder what's talking gonna about happen a with huge the economy resort, right huge resort slat like nothing no nothing available so do you think the economy is just gonna get slammed in a positive way like once all this opens because people just like have been fasting for a while from life uh it will really quick, but part of me feels like it's going to happen too quick. It's going to rubber band yeah. back. Because uh, at the end of the day, we look at the numbers and there's still, I'm a numbers guy, I guess, from, the, from being the CPA. You know, we are like with the actual real numbers in place with all past the previous unemployments, like we're looking at one out of every four people is not working right now. And I mean, that's, that's crazy to, to think. I mean, yes, maybe a good amount of jobs will come back, but some might not for a while. Some might be gone forever. It's going to be uh, interesting. So these people are not going to all get reemployed at the same time is what you're saying. Yeah. Some people are going to be out of jobs for like a year. And there's going to be a genuine, there's going to be half the people that are scared, half the people that are not. It's going to be a, it's going to be a mixed bag. It's going to be a time unlike any other. And uh, I just, I just. So what do you think then? What do you predict over the next 12 to 24 months? Uh, I, I think nothing major gets done the rest of this year. Personally, there, there, there's going to be a few states 
like Wisconsin, I guess, uh, that, that will start have th- having things as normal. But uh, a lot of states will not. And then it's gradually next year. I don't think it's, I don't know if it's right or not. Like, I kind of think it's not personally, my opinion, but it's in the world that we live in. And there's other, I guess, agendas. I mean, I had to push my wedding back 14 months. It was going to be happening July 4th of this year. So when's it going to be? Now it's like September of 2021. Why did you push back so far? Uh, there was nothing else available. It was, we had such a big wedding and there was only like two dates available next year because everybody already from like March, April, May, June pushed their weddings and then the regular people that booked. So it's, it's uh, I mean, that's like the least of the world problems right now. I think it's a pretty big deal <laughs> though that your wedding got pushed back 14 months. Yeah. That's after, pretty nuts. Yeah. So now it went from like 16 months of planning to 30 months of planning. So it's, it's wild. Crazy times. How did it affect you personally and on a business level? COVID-19, that is. Mm-hmm. Um, not much. Honestly, our, our, we were already homeschooling our oldest kid. The two, you know, the, so we have a 12, 10, and 8-year-old, and then we got two young twins. Um, and the 12-year-old was already being homeschooled. So now the younger okay. two are being homeschooled, although school ends in a week from now. But uh, no, man. I've been just preparing for this book launch over the last 10 weeks. And so, you know, I've been writing a book, preparing another proposal. So, I mean, I'm just, I'm just kind of going, you know, it it definitely, it's definitely weird, you know, like it's kind of nice going to the grocery store and not like feeling weird about it anymore for a while. It was kind of awkward, but our lives haven't been that hit. You know, we're, we're actually, we're a little bit sick of being quarantined though. Like I think next month we're going to go, road trip and go visit her family and stuff and get out of Orlando for a while. Like, I think we're just ready to get out. I think that's been the big thing is we're kind of just claustrophobic. Are you going to travel the same way you used to staying at a hotel or are you going to like rent an RV or something? Probably just go to a hotel. Okay. I mean, You're we're going to work, we're going to go stay with her family, but like on the okay. way, cause it's like a long drive. Uh, yeah, we'll probably just stay in hotels. Okay. Yeah. I'm just trying to gauge you if, yeah. cause I know some people are like, Nope, no more, no more hotels for, for no, a while. No, no, we're not. We're, <laughs> we're not. Good. Me and my wife are pretty, pretty chill. Like we're, we're precaution. We take precaution, but like, we're not, we're not that stressed. We're, we're, we're we take precaution. We're going to wash our hands, you know, but we're going to move forward. What about business wise? Have you had to make any tough decisions, lay anyone off? No, I actually hired someone during COVID-19 and I've been investing lots in the market <laughs> personally. Like, you know, my advisor recommended it and I've, I haven't changed anything in my strategy. Like I was not planning on launching any products during this period of time anyways. Uh, I had a huge launch at the beginning of January and I was not doing anything except for prepping for this book launch anyway. So none of my plans changed. I'll be launching new stuff. I, I might change like what I launch after personalities and permanent. Like my main focus is this book launch. But it may change, you know, the next course that I sell. It may be way lower priced. I'm, I'm not really sure those decisions I'll make in the future. But no, man, I'm I'm actually just staying hyper focused. Oh, and sorry, I don't know if I could. I don't know if I already earlier when I mentioned uh, when I could find your book, personality isn't permanent on Amazon. Yes, it, it is the pre-order. It's officially a pre-order for middle of June, right? That's it the show, middle of June, right? Okay. I think I mentioned that you can order it now, but technically you can yeah, order it. You can, you can order, order it. it. It'll be, it'll come in soon. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> almost there. Almost there. Are you doing, uh, did you do any big book tour previously with your 
uh, first book? Not nearly as big as this. Okay. So you are ready to do one and you're still going to do it. With like, this one? Yeah. Like uh, everything aside. I'm not going to go on an actual book tour. That's not interesting to me, but I'm doing like literally hundreds of podcasts. Uh, we've learned other ways to get a ton of people to write blog posts and stuff like that. Like there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, a lot of stuff I learned from the last launch. The last launch was kind of catastrophic. It was kind of a failure and it hurt a lot. And uh, it was one of those painful lessons where it was like, you know, I think when you're really committed to a path, those, those failures can stop you along the way, but then ultimately they can be the things that increase your commitment to your goal. And so, uh, yeah, willpower doesn't work was tough. <laughs> so I got that right here. I mean, it's done well. I mean, it's, I think it's sold like a hundred thousand copies, but I thought it could have probably done, 10x that by now and so it was a little bit of a disappointment but i'm glad i'm actually glad yeah. that i'm glad that it didn't go according to plan because i learned a ton which is helping not only my process but my mindset i'm a lot less attached for example to this launch uh, more interested in the long game and i have a lot more mental health whereas before i was trying to force things and i mean just like books just like podcasts music you you never know you never know, right? If something happens later on, if the next book clicks even more, people could still go back to that one. That's the beauty totally. of it, right? Yeah, totally, totally, yeah. So, and Ryan Holiday says the best way to sell a book is to write the next book. Yeah, exactly. So The best way to get go. someone to listen to podcast number 87 <laughs> is to record podcast number 88, right? Exactly. And then you could reference them back. The, the more content, the better. Well, quality content as well. I agree. Um, but what are, what are you telling then to individuals, uh, that might come up and ask you or, you know, through, through your sessions, um, that are employed right now, that lost their jobs, that are not sure what to do next steps in life. Like, should they go pursue something else? Should they keep waiting there and just reading books at home? What are you telling those people? I think that for a lot of people right now, if, especially if a big change has occurred, you know, they've lost their job or whatnot, it's a really good time to reassess, you know, what you actually want to do, who is your desired future self. You definitely need to get back to that point as soon as possible where you have hope in a future and have a purpose. Like that's, that's mental health 101. Like Viktor Frankl talks a lot, a lot about that in Man's Search for Meaning, but you actually need hope and you need a future in order to actually have meaning in the present. Mm -hmm. So I would recommend for people to think about where do they want to be beyond COVID-19? Where do they really want to be? Maybe before they were in a job that they liked. And if so, like maybe figure out how to get it back, but maybe they weren't. And what would be better? What do they really want? And then really start to go through the process of going in that direction. You kind of need that purpose though. You need something beyond COVID-19 to look forward to and to be dictating what you do here and now. Do you think some jobs, I mean, industry specific, people should just kind of move on from? I'm not that knowledgeable on specific industries, okay. man. But uh, I'm not. I'm not like studying the landscape. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm literally cooped up in this room, freaking writing books. Like I'm, I'm not. I'm not studying the the markets. But uh, yeah, I think for some people, I think I mean you probably know, given that you asked the mm -hmm. question. I mean, what are markets you think just people shouldn't go back to? Uh, personally, uh, yes, bigger gyms, big gyms. Um, really? You think those are going down? That's going to be a, uh, it's going to be a tough one. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're going to have to like downsize. What kind of big gyms? Are you talking like the big LA fitnesses and whatnot? Yeah, that's going to be tough. I, I just don't think 
there's going to be as much one-on-one personal training maybe, or there's just not going to be as many classes. There's going to be a lot more. They're going to be spaced out, very limited. People are going to start going to more micro gyms, more Peloton, more at home uh, type of type of scenario. That's interesting because I miss the gym. I want to go to the gym so bad, dude. I mean, if anything, they're just going to have to have a really amazing like wipe down sanitation procedure because uh, I mean, half the people are going to not want to go back. I feel like personally one industry, but yeah, I don't know. Events as well. Events is going to be an interesting like, one. Like, think- like live events and like meetings and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, I bet within three to five years that'll be back to normal. It has and to I think be. With, and I think with gyms, it will be as well. Yeah. It's all going to be like, what happened those couple of years, right? What happened? What, uh, I can say this because <laughs> like I served a church mission for two years mm-hmm. in the most extreme, like rigidity, like talk about crazy systems. And it's yeah. crazy to watch people living a certain way. And then when they go back, they often revert back to exactly who they were. <laughs> Not always the case. I personally didn't, but where was that? I, I served in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, but you know, it's interesting how fast you can, you can go back and just not even, it's almost as if that whole experience never happened. That's wild. That's wild. And, and the market, if you, you said you're paying attention to the market, I mean, the market's say, saying so. I mean, the market's going up, right? Yeah. I mean, things are going up and before we know it, we're going to be back at like nothing ever happened. I mean, it's like almost there. It's, it's wild. And how close are we? Um, like, I just want to say about 10% ish away, like on, on the main S and P and Dow and the NASDAQ is already, it's, it's, it's positive on the year. So we're Isn't that right crazy? It's, so it's yeah. almost like the economy is not taking too big a hit. No, at least that's what their, the economy's looking so, so right? far ahead. Yeah. They've like gone into full projection mode at this point, but I don't know. That's why a lot of, I don't want, I guess I don't want to talk about that too much on the show, but yeah, I think that's why a lot of people are um, still thinking that it's way over, overvalued right now, like the Warren Buffett's of the world, but who knows? Um, but yeah, uh, this, this has been very fun. Thanks so much, uh, Dr. Benjamin Hardy. Check him out at benjaminhardy.com and be sure to pre-order his book, Personality Isn't Permanent. Break free from self-limiting beliefs and rewrite your story. Available on Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, all major uh, booksellers online. We are officially done with part one of the podcast. Miro is going to take off for this part, so you're gonna you're gonna meet his uh, his sidekick. We'll talk later. Peace. Easy. Welcome to the round with no name because they're all taken. Miko is taking over part two. Doctor Ben Hardy. We've been, we've been waiting for this part of the show. We just want to learn a little bit more about you. Just a little bit more. Want to get deep down and dirty. You're going to have five seconds to initiate an answer to a few questions we're going to throw at you in this lightning round. We just want to know a little bit more about you. And don't ask what happens if you don't answer right away. We just, just, just make it happen. Trust me. You ready? I'm ready. How do you drink your coffee? I don't drink coffee. Ooh, curveball right away. Do you drink tea? Ooh, no caffeine at all? I drink caffeine, pre-workouts and stuff like that. Sometimes the occasional energy drink when I'm on a deadline, for sure. Wow, that's, that's got to be like the first time A lot time of water, ever, though. Ton first of water. time ever in my life, I think that we've heard Migo and Mira over here, that 
people, you're not drinking coffee or tea, but you'll drink a pre-workout or an energy drink. Is that That's a, a contra- does it feel like a contradiction? Yeah. And it's like, uh, wow. <laughs> That's got to be a first. But moving on, what is your favorite book? Uh, at the moment, Man Search for Meaning, you know, outside of like scriptural text. Favorite movie? Hmm. I don't know. If, you want me to just give you one? Yeah. First Iron Will. Movie Iron Will. I watched it as a kid. Great movie. Disney movie. If I gave you $100 today and you had to return $200 to me tomorrow, how would you do it? Just Why would I have to give you 200 bucks? How would you make that $100 on top of the 100 I know, but why would I have to? Just because you would want it 200 bucks back? I'd, if it was a competition, yes. And on how I, I could turn the 100 into 200 Yes. Gosh, dude. Shows how lack of entrepreneurship I would in the current me. If I had to, I'd just give you an extra hundred bucks, dude. If I had to. <laughs> That's the easy way out. But if you had to do something <laughs> if to I had actually to generate sh- another hundred. I mean, dude, I would sell a bunch of books. I would freaking pitch a course to my email list. I mean, I would do something, man. I would, I would, I mean, I would make a hundred bucks. I mean, I would, I would do a freaking coaching call if I had to. I guess your email list of over what? 400,000? 350 ish. 350. I guess that, that should probably do it. <laughs> There's gotta <laughs> be a hundred dollars in there. There's gotta <laughs> so, be a hundred dollars so, in there. Yes. Make it happen. iPhone or Android. I've heard you ask this before, my friend. Which one do you think I have? You've, you've been waiting. <laughs> You're a straight up iPhone, straight up. You're an Android guy, right? That's why you ask the questions. No, I'm actually an iPhone guy myself. I've, I've been there in both worlds. I've been there in both worlds. There's proof. There's proof. How many children do you want? That's that's uh <laughs> my my wife probably should I, I you know sure, we're pregnant with the sixth and I feel pretty comfortable with that number but you know we try to be open to to uh, the big man upstairs but you know I, I'd be pretty happy with six I think six is probably pretty good that's a lot we're already pregnant with the sixth I think that I feel pretty good about that business partner has I think eight your business partner does yeah yeah wow. Impressive. Um, so it's wild. How old is he? Four. He just turned 40, 41, 40, 41. So yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think they have too much time left for any more, but I think they were going for like 10. So we'll see. Catholic, <laughs> Catholic, Jewish, or Mormon? Catholic. Yeah. Um, if I, if we handed you here at boss to boss podcast an unlimited amount of money, you could start up any business you wanted. What would that business be? I did. Where's the sounds? I would not start a business. <laughs> just hold it. <laughs> no, I'd donate it and just freaking. And I would. I would probably invest ten grand, ten million of it, and donate the rest and just go do missionary work. <laughs> that's. Uh, I like that. That's actually. Uh, I think that's a boss. Two boss exclusive as an answer. Well, Miko is out. You've done well. You survived. Peace. <laughs> Miro was back though. Thank you so up, much. <laughs> you survived Miko. That was good. Dude, Miko uh, was intense, bro. He, yeah, he is. I mean, he really he's comes an intense, at you. He's an intense personality, bro. <laughs> yes. He, he, he makes sure that you get an answer out no matter what. 
Dude, Nico. It doesn't right. matter. No matter Maybe what. That was Miko. Yes, that was Miko. But Benjamin Hardy, thank you so much for uh, taking the time, being here on this episode, on this podcast, Boss to Boss. Once again, everybody, personal, personability isn't permanent. Be sure to check out the book online at Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, all major. Personality isn't permanent. Sorry, I, I can't talk. Personality isn't permanent. It's the foreigner in me. No worries. <laughs> Be sure to check out his book and benjaminhardy.com. Uh, Mike is yours. If you have any final closing thoughts. No, just grateful to be with you, man. It was definitely an interesting podcast and uh, loved being with you. Loved being in Chicago with you today. And yeah, if anyone likes personality and permanent, or if anyone wants to understand how to reframe any former traumas or how to design your future self and all the updated research on personality, give it a check and you'll be able to learn why personality tests like Myers-Briggs, et cetera, are junk science and how they hold you back. So. I like that. All right. Thank you so much. That is all for this episode of Bossed to Boss. Your next step is to visit bossedtoboss.com, where you will find proven techniques followed by professionals to help you make that next step. Again, that is Bossed, the number two boss.com. And remember, the time is now. <laughs>